Welcome to the Salem Fields Community Church Podcast of the Weekly Message. We hope that you find this podcast personally helpful, and we also encourage you to share the subscription link found at salemfields.com podcast with your friends that might be able to use some practical advice and encouragement. And we begin our new series, and I'm excited about it. Uh, thank our artists, Jay and Robbie, over there. They've been working diligently at that since last night, and uh, in each one of the services, it's been exciting to see that happen, and each week we'll have artists that will uh, bring to life the, uh, the person that uh, is our Bible story. Um, I love this statement, nobody can really claim who said it, because so many people have said it, but if we don't stand for something, we'll fall for anything. If we don't stand for something, we'll fall for anything. When Buddy suggested this series to us, um, I was really excited because it took, it, it was a no-brainer for me. Immediately I said, I'll take Daniel. Daniel is my all-time Bible uh, person uh, hero that has kind of uh, taught me from a very, very early age until even today as I prepared it this week, it was fresh and new and I love this story all over again. And uh, you know, as children, things stick, right? We don't have filters, things that happen, good things and bad things that happen in childhood will stick. Well, this is one thing that stuck with me. I learned this little song in Bible school or Sunday school, I was probably three, four, five years old. And uh, this, this song and this little story of this song has uh, kind of trained me early in uh, how life would be with faith in God. Here it is. Three generations. Isn't this awesome? Passing this song right now. tell you what, when you bring your children to church, it makes a difference for a whole lifetime. Bring children, even the children in your neighborhood that don't have parents that go to church, bring the children. Because if we can get that in us really young, I asked Gracie, I said, Gracie, would you do me a favor and teach that to your grandchild long after I'm gone? And she told me that she would do that. So that assures me that this song and this message and this character of the Bible is not just a story. It's living and it's breathing and it still makes, can make as much difference in our lives today as it did back when Daniel was alive. And what, this, what it taught me, what that little song taught me um, 
was this. I was very young. And it taught me that if, if I was going to live by faith in God, that most likely, for sure, really, that I was going to face some really, really tough challenges in life. And, uh, and that I'd have to probably, at times, stand alone. That there may be times when um, I can't go along with what's popular. What a powerful, powerful lesson for a child. And I can tell you, at this stage of life, in the fourth quarter of life, that has, that has rung true throughout my life. I've faced some really tough, tough challenges. And there have been times when I've had to choose something that was not popular. And, and a lot of that came because I was trained by Daniel. And I was trained by a little song that got deep within my being. The truth of that has just lived itself out in my life. So let's go back when uh, Daniel was a teenager in 605 BC. That's before Christ. This is in the Old Testament times. Daniel was a teenager. And the Babylonians came to Jerusalem. And they invaded Jerusalem. And they conquered Judah. And they took the people there into captivity. They took them about a thousand miles away from their homeland. They were in a different culture. They were in a different climate. They were, uh, they were in slavery, really. They took them into slavery. And for Daniel and his friends, we're going to look at Daniel and three of his friends. Um, that had to be hard. I mean, we probably can't even imagine taken into slavery a long way from our home at a very, very young age. That was hard for them because the culture there was completely hostile to the way that they had learned to live. They had been trained in the Jewish laws and the Jewish ways, and it was just part of who they were up until they became a teenager. And it's, they lived a certain way of life, and they went to a kingdom that was living completely opposite of that and it was hostile to them and they were under the rule of kings that didn't worship the same gods uh, that they didn't worship they worshiped other gods but nothing matched you know he spent his life teenager it had to be tough but nothing matched the test that he would meet up with when he was an older man for disobeying cyrus daniel is arrested and sentenced to death. Cyrus realizes he's made a terrible mistake. Open it. You know, in the Middle East, even today, uh, there's turmoil, there's wars and rumors of wars, and there's always been turmoil with that piece of land and, in, and that property there in, in the Middle East. And it was no different when Daniel was a teenager and, and uh, the Babylonians came in and invaded and King Nebuchadnezzar, everybody say that name, Nebuchadnezzar, 
<laughs> I didn't have anyone else do that. I just kind of wanted you to do that. But King Nebuchadnezzar invaded and, and they took the people. And what he wanted, what he was looking for was the smartest and the healthiest and the most promised, promising young Jewish slaves that he could find because he wanted them to serve in his kingdom. And, and Daniel and his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, also known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Tebedwego. No, it's Abednego. <laughs> the three friends of Daniel, uh, they were chosen because they were the wisest. They were the strongest. They were the most handsome. They were cho chosen to go into training for three years. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to learn the li literature of the Babylonians. He wanted them to learn the language. And he also wanted them to eat and drink from the king's table. He, he, he wanted them there with him. But the, though these uh, young men were, were prisoners, these four men were so loyal to God. Now remember, they were in slavery and the king had chosen them, but they were so loyal to God's laws, what they had grown up with and what they knew was the truth and God's word. They had lived with that. They made it clear to the king that their God, Jehovah, would always come first in their life. Now that's pretty, that's pretty brave in the midst of a king that completely didn't believe at all the way these these young men did that the, these four held deep convictions deep convictions about obeying and pleasing God in Daniel 1 8 it said Daniel resolved in his heart it says Daniel purposed in his heart to follow God's laws and, and they said that they would only, they could only, they had dietary laws and they could only eat food that God said was clean. It's what the law was and what, what God had set for the law of the Jewish people. And interestingly, they asked the king, they said, can we follow our laws? Can we only eat food that are, that's clean? And the king actually allowed that to happen. And over time, their strong and healthy bodies were proof that God really knew what he was talking about. And the king took notice. And they, they were stronger and healthier than any other prisoners that were there. And God blessed them. And they became important men in the government. I find this so fascinating that even though they worshiped a different God, even though they were in a culture that was hostile to the way that they believed, they earned the trust and the favor of government officials that believed completely opposite of them. See, the king respected them and he looked at them and he didn't say, these are just four young twerps. I don't yeah, he's, he looked at them and, and he gained from their intelligence. He took notice. But their beliefs soon clashed with the cultural norms of that kingdom. And any time we stand for something that's different than what our culture stands for, we're going to come to a point where we clash and where the rubber meets the road and we're going to have to make a decision, which way will I go? And Daniel and his three, well, Daniel, Daniel's three friends were tested first. The Bible doesn't say why Daniel wasn't there, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was, they were, they were tested. And they were commanded to bow down to the Babylonian God. 
And of course they refused because they followed the Ten Commandments. That was the law that God had given them. And they, one of the Ten Commandments was, you will have no other God before me. And so they could not bow down before that God and they refused and they were condemned to a fiery furnace. They trusted God. They determined, they resolved, they purposed that they were going to follow what they knew God asked them to follow and they believed in him. And here's what blows my mind. They, they trusted God to save him. He did. It says that they came out of this furnace and didn't even smell like smoke. But here's the thing that blows my mind. The king then believed in their God. The world changed because somebody stood strong. Daniel and his friends, they continued to work for that government until they were old men. And, uh, and they held to their convictions. Yet they earned the trust of those who believed differently. You kind of get that. We're in a culture like that too that's very hostile to the word of God. Yet they managed and they understood and they knew how to earn the trust of people who believe differently. And Daniel was given a high position in the, gov in the government. He had wisdom and he had power, but he also had enemies. There were men that were jealous. He was, Daniel and two other men were put over the kingdom uh, in high positions. And those two were jealous of Daniel. The king really, really liked Daniel. And he allowed Daniel to worship his own God. But Daniel's enemies did not like this. Sounds like some lions coming on, doesn't it? We, we, we meet up with those in our lives. Daniel hadn't done anything wrong. He had never broken any laws. But these uh, jealous men devised a plan to manipulate the king to make a new law. And they knew that this new law, Daniel would not be able to follow. And so they went to the king and you know how they manipulated him? They were really, really nice. Isn't that interesting? Nice can manipulate. And they knew this king. And they knew that he had kind of an ego gig going on. And they said, you know what? This law will cause people to, to bow down and to worship you. And the king said, I like that. So let's make that law. And so they made this law that people could only pray to or ask for things from the king for 30 days. And they knew that they were setting Daniel up. And they said to the king, we'll make sure that anybody that doesn't obey this law will be punished. You don't have to worry about that, king. And they'll be thrown into a lion's den because that was the normal punishment for people in those days that didn't obey important laws. And these lions were in a pit and they stayed pretty hungry most of the time. Daniel knew about this law. He knew what was coming. He knew that he wouldn't be able to comply with this new law because he couldn't bow down before any other God. But Daniel didn't hide in fear. I'm sure that there were moments, just like you or I, he was human, where in that, those moments when he thought what was ahead of him, there were times when he, he may have said, God, please, 
please take this away from me. But he didn't hide in fear. He didn't stop doing what he was doing. He wasn't trying to provoke anyone with his actions. He wasn't in their face. He didn't have to prove anything. He was not into rebelliously breaking laws. He didn't have to prove a thing. He had a resolve. He prayed like this all the time. And his enemies knew that. So they waited for him. And they waited for him to do what they knew he would do. And they waited until the law was signed and Daniel went to his window and he opened it and he turned toward Jerusalem and he worshiped God as he always had. And he was arrested. Now the king never intended for Daniel to stop worshiping his God. But he was bound to this new law because he had signed it and he had to keep his word. And so he ordered Daniel thrown into the den of lions And the king was distressed. He couldn't sleep. I find this so fascinating that Daniel and this king had that kind of relationship. And he worried for Daniel. And the Bible tells us that when Daniel was thrown in that pit with the lions, that the mouths of the lions were shut. We've heard that story before. And that Daniel did not have one scratch on him. The king ran to the lion's den and he found Daniel alive and he was so relieved and he actually helped him out of that pit. And you know what the king saw that day? He saw someone who had completely placed their trust in his God. He saw a miracle. Daniel's life was proof that his God was the supreme God. Well, the king then ordered those who had manipulated him, not just the men, but their wives and children, to be thrown into that pit of lions. And the Bible says that before they hit the ground, they were torn up and eaten. It's brutal. But Daniel came out of that pit and he said, yeah, things didn't go my way, but I really didn't do anything wrong here. I did not violate what God asked me to live. And he knew that. See, those lions didn't leave Daniel alone because they weren't hungry. They were. They left him alone because God was with Daniel. And God protected Daniel. Here's what blows my mind again. The scripture says, The king wrote to the people from every nation and language in the whole world. He said, I order people in every part of my kingdom to respect and honor Daniel's God. He's the living God. He lives forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His rule will not, will never end. He sets his people free and he saves them. He saw this with Daniel's life. He does, he does them in the heavens and on earth. He has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. One person standing alone wouldn't compromise even facing death and the world was changed one person because the king saw what happened you know what's interesting we worship the exact same God that Daniel worshipped the same God that wants to protect us the same God that wants to face our lions with us 
The same God that will be with us no matter what. So how can this story written in 535 before Christ ever came, thousands of years ago, how can this be relevant to us sitting here today? Well, God wants us to succeed he wants us to succeed in this life that we're, we've been drawn here because something has drawn us here to God, Jehovah, and Jesus Christ. And there's something in that we've been drawn here. And he wants us to succeed. He wants us to pass with flying colors. But we've got a part in that. We get to choose. And we can choose to stand strong, just like Daniel did. See, every day, every single one of us will go out from here. It's not hard to worship God when we're with other people that have chosen to worship God. But the rubber meets the road when we hit the streets, when we go out into our workplaces and into our daily lives, into high school and into college. When we're challenged every day in a culture that's hostile to the word of God. We're challenged every day with temptations to cave in. Because life is tough for every single one of us. And sure enough, we're going to clash at some point. There's going to be something deep within us that says, uh-uh-uh, with the temptation that causes that we want to just go ahead and comply. But Jesus said that we're to be salt and light in the world. It's a dark world out there, and it needs light and he called us to be the light, to shine the light. Well, what does that look like? What does a Christ follower really look like? We're living in a culture where, where people say, well, you can do this, or it's okay for a Christian to do that, or a Christian's not supposed to do that, and on and on and on. And we say, wait a minute, what does that mean? Well, some people say that a Christian looks like a good person, somebody that does good things, or somebody that's nice. Or somebody that's very giving, but you know that there are nice, good people that are doing a lot of good things, right? And they're not necessarily following Jesus Christ, right? There's a lot of good, nice people out there. So that can't be the definition of what we look at. What we have to look at is Daniel's life. Daniel's life shows us what a Christ follower looks like. He lived in such a close, connected uncompromising relationship with God that when those temptations come, he came, he didn't have to think. He already had this steadfast resolve. It wasn't about the dietary laws or bowing down. It was about obeying God. He said, God would come first in my life. When I have to choose, when those values clash, I'm going to choose what God's word. I'm going to choose what God has has told me to obey. He had this uncompromising conviction that wouldn't be swayed by popular opinion or what everybody else around the water cooler was saying or values that mirrored the culture. He lived by a non-negotiable. And so how can we connect with that? Well, first of all, every single one of us have to identify our own personal non-negotiables. And we do that by asking ourselves, what's my price tag? What is our price? Can we be bought in those moments? Well, Daniel and his friends proved that they were not for sale. 
because they were sold out. They were sold out to their non-negotiable that God would come first. Every time they had a decision to make, it would be a no-brainer for them. God first, every time. See, when God's dietary laws were challenged, they knew exactly what to do. When they were asked to bow down to a, a statue of gold, they knew exactly what to do. But they also knew the consequences that may come with that. They had non-negotiables, and, and non-negotiables are more than a set of rules or a set of religious beliefs. It's a commitment. It's a resolve. It's a determination to risk everything for what we believe in, for our faith. It's really what we die for, and every one of us need to know what that is. They refused to allow their situation to determine what their response would be. They, would, they didn't wait until the king asked them to bow down and say, well, let me see, let me think. Do I need to do that now or if I just do it once, it'll be okay? No. They had resolved. They already knew. So when that temptation came, when they faced the lion, they knew exactly what their response would be. Daniel proved that it's possible to serve God and still keep our commitments, our secondary commitments. We don't have to neglect them. We don't have to make excuses like, I can't do this because I serve God and then all this other stuff's happening. I can't do this because it's too hard. He didn't use that excuse. He didn't say, well, I, the people that I work for are so unreasonable and you know they had to be because they were asking them to do things that they weren't willing to do. Yet he understood how to live in that culture. He didn't use excuses. He had resolve. Daniel's non-negotiable faith also wasn't confrontational. He wasn't in their faith, face. You know, I, I found this video I was going to use really cute as this young girl, and she was just like blasting the culture. And I said, you know what? That was not Daniel. He was not critical. He was not, you never see him tearing down other people or the culture that he lived in. He knew that this could be an area of contention. He knew that his values would clash, but he refused to approach it that way. He knew that the spirit in which he did what he did was just as important as any job he'd ever do. His spirit was just as important. And he chose to go with a peaceful solution. The scripture's there. Daniel didn't use his faith as a weapon, weapon to look really self-righteous. He didn't shake his fist and say, I'm going to prove that your God is not the supreme one. He didn't shake his fist and say, my God is the... He didn't have to prove anything because he was sold out. He had resolve. He didn't have to prove his identity or prove anything to anyone. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing to me. And he learned to live peaceably in a world that was hostile to his beliefs. Have you heard that phrase, in but not of? Daniel knew how to do this. He knew how to live in a culture but not be of it. I love that. I love his example in my life. He didn't war against the culture. He had resolve. He had purposed in his heart. And Daniel's non-negotiable faith embraced the consequences. Now listen to this. He had convictions. 
He counted the cost. He knew that there'd be a time when he may even have to give his life for what he believed in. And it says, God, he said this, they said this, God will save us, but we want you to know that even if we knew our God wouldn't save us, we still wouldn't serve your gods. Now, when God doesn't answer a prayer the way you want him to, or when things don't turn out the way you want them to, do you still trust God? That's what these guys were saying. Even if this doesn't turn out the way I want it to, and of course it didn't because a fiery furnace and lions are not the way we want our life to turn out. But they said, even if God doesn't save us, we still won't worship their gods. We will still put our faith and trust in this God that we know. So we have to ask ourselves, do I have a faith that costs me something? Does it cost me something? Do I show trust in God when I'm facing my lions of that medical thing that's going on or with a relationship that you're in? Is it the trust in God that's kind of oozing out of me? I love this statement. It says, when we can only, we, we can only stand such a test when we value what we have more than what we lose. So in other words, do we value our relationship with God more than anything else? We have to ask ourselves these questions. The reports are mixed, but some say with one word, Cassie Bernal, a teenage girl, became a household name on April 20th at 1130 a.m. at Columbine High School when two gun-wielding teenagers came in and confronted her with a question. With their guns raised, they asked her, do you believe in God? She had one word, yes. And she was shot and killed instantly. See, Cassie didn't wait for that moment to decide, well, let me think, do I or don't I? She had resolve. She knew who she served. She had an uncompromising conviction about who she served. And when the time came, she knew exactly how to respond. I believe that the world longs for men and women who will live by conviction, that'll have a non-negotiable, that'll stand up and be counted and stand strong when the time comes. Those who can't be bought, whose word is their bond and who puts character above wealth that are larger than their vocation and won't hesitate to take chances, who won't lose their individuality in a crowd, and they're as honest when no one's watching and in the little things as they are when everyone's looking and in the big things, making no compromise with wrong 
and ambitions that are greater than just what I want, who won't lose their individuality in a crowd, who will not act because everyone else is doing it, not ashamed or afraid to stand for the truth when it's unpopular and you might look like a dork, who can say no with emphasis even when the rest of the world says yes. I believe that our world is longing to see young people, teenagers, young adults, college students, adults, older people, somebody that has a non-negotiable, that has a conviction, that knows exactly where they stand and stand strong. That was my Daniel. He was the same for me as a little child, the same as he was back in 535 BC, has made a difference in my life all the way to this stage of life. The truth has remained the same over the years. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. And dare to have a purpose firm. And then dare to make it known. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the life of Daniel. I thank you, God, that we can stand strong in the midst of some difficult, difficult temptations, situations. But we see, God, that when we look at the life of Daniel, one person, one person standing strong changed the world. Father, I believe that there are Daniels here right now. Those that are willing that are, to count the cost to look goofy and dorky in the eyes of other people simply because they have a non-negotiable, an uncompromising conviction that stands strong in the face of lions. Father, may we all take time to ponder on you, to look deep within our hearts and to allow you to show us those places in our lives that need to be shored up, those places in our lives that can be bought right now to turn to you and ask for your strength to stand strong. But God, I, I know it begins with a choice on our part. Daniel was relentless. His friends were relentless. We're still talking about them today, thousands of years later, but still as relevant to our life as it was in his day. So God, when we leave this place, when we meet up with the blackboard jumble, jungle or we go to work and we're standing around the water cooler or we're tempted to just go along with the crowd and be like everybody else, God, will you ring in our ears remind us God that you're looking for people that will be uncompromising stand strong not be in the face of other people not try to prove that you don't need us to prove that you're there and that you're supreme you don't need that from us what you need is for us to be faithful to stand strong to live the life to allow you to change us and God I believe there's one person in this crowd stand strong change the world thank you for your word Lord we love you 
praise you. Let's stand together. Let's worship. If you are a new Christian and would like to know what to do next or where to go from here, you will want to get a free Next Step packet that contains reading materials and useful resources that will point you in the right direction. For more information, please contact Salem Fields Community Church at 540-786-6212 or visit our website at salemfields.com or email us at podcast at salemfields.com.